Well, good morning, everybody. As Dave said, my name's Nate, and uh, man, I'm so excited to be with you, and I'm excited that you all are gathered here. I'm also excited that, uh, that for those of you that are watching online, uh, our family is actually, we've watched Connect services for, for quite a while uh, over the, uh, during the pandemic, and like, so we've actually attended Connect quite a bit. I feel like I'm part of the family, but even more than that, like from the inception of like the idea of Connect, it's been all about not just a gathering of people, but a gathering of people sent to serve this community and be Jesus in this community. And I gotta tell you, it really, really inspires me uh, to have the privilege to be up here. Uh, so as Dave mentioned, uh, my wife Jill is with me, but our whole family didn't come uh, this time. And so I brought a giant wallet pick to just introduce you to my family here. Let me get out of the way. Wow, I'm like as, I'm like as tall as I am there. Anyway, so this is, uh, this is my family. We are, uh, we are one of the few that had the privilege to uh, go to an NFL game during the pandemic and uh, cheer our Chiefs on to a loss, the only loss of the season. We kind of feel like we jinxed it. But anyway, uh, it's my daughter, Abby, who is perfect in every way, 15. Uh, and then my son, Ethan, is, uh, is he just graduated. He just turned 18 last week and then graduated at the end of the week. So uh, anyway, we are, uh, we're big Chiefs fans. We're from Kansas City. And uh, I don't know exactly what the weather's been like here uh, for you guys. It's, it was beautiful yesterday. Dave and I got to go on a bike ride. But uh, in Kansas City, it's been like Seattle. It's been like raining. In fact, we set a new record for nine days straight of rain. It was, it was brutal. As somebody who likes to get out on the bike, on the trail, you can't do it when it's raining like that. And it really drove me to depression. But it also... It reminded me uh, of a time not that long ago. It was a Sunday night, and uh, it had been raining all weekend long. And my wife, as she was headed to bed, she was like, hey, promise me you're gonna go check on the sump pump before you go to bed. And everybody's like headed to bed. It's like almost 10 o'clock. And uh, we had a sump pump that like failed one time. And, and, uh, and like, if you've ever had that, has anybody ever had a sump pump fail where it like fills the basement with water? It's like a rite of passage as a homeowner, but apparently not very many of you. Okay, just moving right along here. And so anyway, I went downstairs. Sure enough, the sump pump was underwater. We caught it in time. Fortunately, it wasn't like overflowing. The well was not like completely full of water where it was flowing into our finished basement. So that was good. So I got the, uh, the shot back out and I started sucking up water, filled up the shot back, ran upstairs, went out the door, dumped the water, came back down and did that like three more times to get the well empty to where I could get to the sump pump. Now, I'm not mechanical really in any way, but I was going to fix this thing because it was 10 o'clock at night, Home Depot was closed, what are you gonna do? So I started messing around with it and figured out that the switch on the sump pump was broken. The switch that like turns it on when the water gets up to a certain point. And so for the next 10 hours, I was the human switch for the sump pump. I set my alarm every, every three hours. I get up, I go downstairs, use the sump pump or use the shop back, suck up the water, run back upstairs, dump it out the, the door. And I did this all night long. It was not a very restful night of sleep. Although I think I hit my move goal before 5 a.m. But the thing about it is, so I did that one last time right before Home Depot opened. I went to Home Depot, got like a replacement switch, 
that had instructions. I felt pretty confident that I could get it replaced. Came back home and then I noticed that it only been about an hour, but the sun, but like the well was almost full again and I needed to drain it. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I drain it, fill up the, the, the shop back, run upstairs, dump it out the back door, come back down. And that's when things got real because it had been raining all night and it was just more and more water was pouring into the sump pup well. So like I'm taking the sump pup apart, the water is rising. And like, this should be like a really simple kind of home repair. But what I've learned is when I'm involved, there is no such thing as a simple home repair. And so I'm working as fast as I can. It, fe it feels like a scene from like an action movie where they're trying to defuse the bomb and like it's counting down. But instead of it counting down, the water's going up and I'm envisioning my whole basement filling with water. I'm working as hard as I can and it just fills up. So I start to panic because the water is like rising way faster. So I take the shot back, fill it up, run upstairs, dump out the water, run back downstairs. And it's time to like fill it up again. It's like completely full again. I'm like, what is going on here? It's like somebody has like a hose going in there. I don't understand. And so I, I fill it up, run back upstairs. And for 45 minutes, the only thing I had time to do was to like drain the sump pump well in a shot back, run upstairs, dump it out, and then go back and start over. And it's the most hopeless 45 minutes of my entire life, okay? And one, uh, I, I was either gonna do it until I died or like die on the spot of a heart attack. That's what I was convinced of. And then like, because I have watched a lot of action movies, I came up with the idea of two shop vacs. And so I stuck them in there. Luckily a friend had provided one and we had bought one and I used them both drained the sump pump, got the switch in place, and miraculously, automatically, the water began to drain out and crisis averted and I was exhausted. And yeah, so that, <laughs> that was like a traumatic experience. And so now anytime it rains, like, I mean, I, I go down like multiple times a day to check my sump pump. But the truth is like, it was really just the stupid switch that broke that caused this whole thing. And I wish answers were straightforward like that in life when any, when any kind of hard thing happens. Like, oh, okay, I can just go to Home Depot and I can fix that. But unfortunately, a sump pump isn't the worst thing that can happen when it fails. There's lots of things in life that can happen. And when difficult times come, a lot of times we ask why, right? Why is this happening? Have you ever found yourself asking why before anybody anybody like when something hard happens yeah go ahead raise your hand online you can comment we that's like our go-to when something bad happens and unless it's like something malfunction malfunctioning in your home there's really never straightforward answers to that and especially when it's more than just like a home ownership issue but it involves hurt when it involves pain when it involves loss. Uh, back in 2001, my dad was, uh, was battling liver cancer and he lost that battle uh, in, on, on Thanksgiving weekend in 2001. And we don't really have enough time for me to go into all the things that make my dad special and who he is and how he impacted me. But in that moment, all of that became a memory and from that moment, life has been different ever since. And if you've ever experienced loss, you know what I'm talking about. It's, 
it's not that we ever recover from the vacancy of a loved one. It's just somehow we learn to kind of continue on in life, but there's still this hole in our life where that person used to be. And I remember his funeral really, really well because it was an interesting kind of funeral. Parts of it were like this worship service, this celebration service, because they were celebrating his life. They were celebrating that he wasn't suffering anymore. But I gotta tell you, I was not celebrating. I was shell-shocked. I was broken and just couldn't celebrate anything at that point. And I remember that there was this visitation and, and lots of people, my dad was like, incredibly active in his church and lots of people came along and kind of shared their condolences and their thoughts. And I, and I heard more than once someone say, everything happens for a reason. And I didn't really give it much thought, but what I wanna to do today is just spend a little bit of time talking about that phrase and kind of what that means for us and why we use that phrase and if we should use that phrase. Connect. You're in week three of Bumper Sticker Theology, which is a great series. And each week you've examined a common phrase that where you ask, is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? And most of these sayings, spoiler alert, uh, have enough truth, but they're not quite right, okay? And as I mentioned today, our popular bumper sticker that we're talking about is everything happens for a reason. How many have heard somebody say this before? Everything happens for a reason. It's probably one of the most common bumper sticker phrases uh, that we'll talk about. But I have to say, it's an interesting statement to make. Why do we say everything happens for a reason? And I think sometimes we say it because we've just heard it said before, right? And, you know, we hear other people say it. And so when something bad happens, we kind of go to that. So if your friend doesn't get the job, you know, you say it. If your teenager gets dumped right before senior prom, you say it. If, uh, you know, you get any NFL jersey other than a Patrick Mahomes jersey, you say it. Because it's like, hey, you know, I mean, you can't win them all, right? But sometimes it helps. The truth is, if the stars align, if everything works out that way, and you get fired from your job, and you get a new job with better benefits, with a better salary, with, uh, you know, six months of vacation, then you're like, hey, everything happens for a reason. But... What, what happens when that doesn't happen? You know, sometimes it helps, but other times, how do we respond when someone ha experiences a tragic accident or gets this demoralizing diagnosis or is the victim of a violent crime? What do we say? What do we do? Back to my journey in 2001, the loss of my dad, I, I you know, I mentioned that some people said this statement to me. And if you've ever had a day like that where you've buried a family member, it's really all like a blur. And it's almost like it happens at high speed while you're standing still. It's this surreal kind of experience. And then like that, it was just back to life, back to a new normal without my dad. And uh, my wife and I, we had actually moved from here in central Illinois to Kansas City to be with my dad for his last few months. And so we were just working whatever jobs we could get, retail jobs, paying for a mortgage uh, for a home that was here that we didn't live in. Yay, that's fun. And um, we were just working like crazy, just trying to keep our heads afloat. And I was 23, not very well equipped to deal with grief and pain. And then one day I was driving home from work 
listening to a song that I heard quite a few times before, and then something struck me. Not literally, but I had this realization. I came face to face with the fact that I had been blaming God for my dad's death. I had been holding him responsible. And I remember that moment so vividly, so clearly that I remember where I was, what I was listening to, and it was like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know you're blaming me for this, right? And it was this moment of like just realization. And so my question is, what are we really saying when we say everything happens for a reason? Behind this saying, I think that it's the belief that everything that happens is God's will. Even though we, do, we often don't understand why it happened, uh, there's a reason for it, and so we believe that God is, it has his reasons, and maybe someday you and I, we might understand that. We might come to understand it. And the belief that everything happens for a reason, there's actually a, t- a term for this, it's called determinism. Everybody say determinism. So determinism says nothing happens without the determination of God. I mean, after all, we believe in an all-powerful God, an almighty God, right? So God, who is the ruler of heaven and earth, God is this sovereign being. So of course, like he determines everything. That totally makes sense. And he has his reasons and, and all that. And the thing is with determinism, it sounds biblical, right? It sounds like, yeah, that makes sense. In fact, there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus kind of, it's almost like it'll, it alludes to it. And you could sort of draw the line and make the connection where Jesus is getting ready to send out his followers. So he's getting ready to send them out to, uh, to, to go and to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to, to declare the message of his kingdom come. And he, is, he knows that they're gonna face opposition. He kind of warns them about the opposition they're gonna face. And here's what he says. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will, fit, will fall to the ground outside your father's care. So some have read these words and said, okay, so the sparrow thing, that basically means that nothing happens without God's involvement in the world. And he's involved in every detail, every single bird falling to the ground. It's his fault. He's responsible. But you see, the problem with this is that determinism blames God for everything. It holds God responsible. Uh, It eliminates personal responsibility. So that means if I run a red light, it must have been God's will. If If I steal from my employer, it must have been God's will. If I cheat on my spouse, it must have been God's will. See, it eliminates personal responsibility and makes God responsible for everyone's actions. So just think for a moment about what that means. Can you see why this view is so dangerous and so destructive? What it means is that If God determines everything that happens, that every rape, every murder, every slight, every act of injustice, God is involved. And who could blame anyone for rejecting that God? Because that would be a truly awful God. So I just wanna pause for a second and speak to those of you who have endured the unthinkable. And if you've been at one of your darkest moments and someone has said, everything happens for a reason, I just wanna tell you, sorry. Because that's not what you needed to hear in the moment. And we, bop, we probably both agree that they, that person probably meant well, but what I want you to hear is that 
when your heart breaks, God's heart breaks with you. And it's often in these moments where we ask, where is God? I mean, I remember thinking that exact thing when, when my dad passed. Where is God? And the truth is, he's right there beside you, walking with you, ready to carry your burden and your pain. He's right there. So are we saying that God has no control then over anything? I mean, no, no, we're not. Um, but to even begin to attempt to understand this world that we live in and why so many bad things happen, we have to understand the concept of dominion. Everybody say dominion. And to understand dominion, we have to go way back to God's, God creating the world and as he is bringing it into existence, he's creating everything out of chaos, just speaking it into existence. And in the creation account, each day he creates a certain set of things and sees that this creation is good and then he concludes the day. And there's this rhythm to the creation account. And everything that he makes is good. And the reference for good uh, here is one that we see over 700 times in various forms throughout the Bible. And it's called Tove. Everybody say Tove. Tove. It's kind of fun to say. Tove. Everyone that, uh, that experiences anything that's good is experiencing Tove. See, it's not just good. It's a state of goodness, a state of peace, a state of, of ex extreme love and presence, that is Tov. So think about your favorite moments in life, okay? The moment where you said, I do to your spouse, that's Tov. The moment where your child was born and put into your arms, Tov. The moment where you realize what you were put on this earth to do and how doing that energizes you because you were created to do it, Tov. The moment when your family member says, you know what, let me watch the kids, they're a little crazy, you take some time, do a date night, Tove, okay? <laughs> it's not just like spiritual kind of thing. I mean, that is spiritual in and of itself, but everything that is good, everything that is Tove is from God. In fact, James says that, uh, just that exact phrase in, in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from God. And so we, in this creation account, you see he creates and it is good. He creates and it is good. And then at the pinnacle of creation, God creates humanity. He creates a human in his image. And then he creates these people to rule over. It says rule over the rest of creation. Now, he tells them to rule over the fish and the birds and every animal in the land. He gives them plants and uh, food to eat. And it's this moment where God is creating us in his image and then he is sharing his dominion with us, with humanity. Because why? He doesn't want robots. He has angels to worship him all the time. He wants intimate relationship with his creation in the setting that he created. But there's a risk here. You see, in granting this, God takes this risk. Would people use his dominion for Tove? or would they hijack it and create their own sort of definition of good? And this question gets answered pretty quickly in, uh, in the next chapter when a serpent confronts Eve in the garden. Yes, the serpent talks, and he tempts her to question the goodness of God. He challenges this notion that God's good order is really in her best interest, 
and he encourages her to reevaluate for herself what is Tope. And so Eve exercises her own dominion, and Adam joins her in this, and they make a choice that goes against God's good order, against God's Tope. And it's in this moment, really, that we see dominion being hijacked. And time and time and time again, humanity makes their own decisions, goes their own way because they have the ability to do that because God has given us that. And from that moment to this moment where I make my own selfish, Nate dominion choices, this is the world that we live in and so much of why things are the way they are. And this really leads us to this sobering truth. Not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that happens is God's will. In fact, many choices that are made go against God's toe. Senseless tragedy is not God's will. Abuse is not God's will. People going to hell is not God's will. No. In fact, this is why Jesus instructs his followers to pray a very specific way. He invites them to pray, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The fact that he would even instruct them to do this means that God's will does not happen all the time on earth if we're praying for God to intervene and for his will to be done here on earth. See, God is not behind many of the things that happen in this world. Sometimes things happen because we exercise our dominion and make our own choices that go against his tope. Sometimes bad things happen because someone else exercises their dominion and makes their own choice. Other times, bad things happen because there's a whole system of dominion that has been exercised over time and it crushes a people group, a race, a, a, a whole entire set of humanity. And that is dominion that has been hijacked. And that's also our responsibility. We have dominion to stand up to the injustices and the systems of the, this world. But that's a whole other message, so we'll just keep going. See, sometimes there, there is also just no recognizable reason for why something bad happens. It just does. And on my own journey, when I was driving along, once I realized that I'd been blaming God, I knew that in coming to believe that everything happens for a reason, without even saying it out loud, I was holding him responsible. And the truth is that months had passed since my dad's death, and I had really just been giving God the cold shoulder, kind of turning away from him, ignoring him, just going about my life. And in that moment, in 2001 or 2002, driving a beat-up Mercury Topaz in Liberty, Missouri, uh, on Highway H, I had this realization where the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. It was like a dam broke, and I realized some things. And I wanted to share some of those things with you. First, I realized that God can handle it. You see, even if he wasn't the cause, he loves you enough, and he is not going anywhere. So no matter what, no matter how angry you are, how much you wanna shake your fist at him, God can handle it. Second, we can choose to believe that he has dominion over everything without causing everything to happen. 
See, it's the choice to recognize dominion does not equal cause. And this is a key choice, and it's going to change the way that you see the world. And then third, why did this happen is an unanswerable question, and it's not productive. It's not going to help you get to where you need to go. So here's a better question. How will I respond? How will I respond? And the truth is we answer this question all the time, even if we don't do it verbally. We respond to situations. My response was to turn my back on God, was to, was to ignore him, to hold him responsible. We always have a response. And that pain, that hurt that we experience, the truth is this. And this maybe is my biggest learning from the sum of my life, 43 years up to this point. Nothing is wasted. No matter what pain you've experienced, what tragedy, what injustice, God does not let that go to waste. But he works through it to mold you, to shape you, to heal you. Nothing is wasted. And this really kind of comes down to our big idea for the day. So here it is. Everything doesn't happen for a reason, but here's the big idea. God works through everything that happens. God works through everything that happens. Will you say that with me? God works through everything that happens. You see, nothing is wasted, and he's working through your pain and my pain to write his story of redemption. And maybe your knee-jerk reaction to that is skepticism, but how could he work in what you've gone through? Like, ask yourself that question. How could he work through this? How could he use this? And the short answer is, I don't know, but I know that God does, and I hold on to that, and I trust that. It might be more comfortable to blame God for what has happened to you than risk the hope of believing that he's going to work through it, he's going to use it. But if we don't do this, then we settle for a very small God who is small enough to take our blame but not big enough to redeem it. And that's, that's just a broken God that nobody needs to serve. And so I wanna invite you to consider this. Jesus didn't just take the blame for our sins, but he suffered the punishment for them. So when we make our own sort of dominion choices that go against his goodwill, it's called sin. And it divides us from him. And what he said is, you know what? I don't want you to experience excruciating pain and death as a result of this sin. So I'm not just gonna take the blame, I'm going to take the punishment for that. And that is why he went, willingly went to the cross. But he redeemed that pain because he's not buried somewhere, but he rose again. And I don't know what thing has, might have happened to you where someone might have said, everything happens for a reason. But I'm here to tell you that with God, nothing is wasted. No matter how like fleeting and like you're, try, you're trying to kind of just move past it or, or how profound the pain that you've experienced is, nothing is wasted. He works in everything that happens to us. And I found that he often does this in spite of us blaming. And then with long enough time, when it's in the rear view, 
we can kind of begin to see, okay, God may be doing something here and I'm gonna trust him with it. And so I wanna just invite you to imagine a scenario where God could redeem what you've been through. Just think about that for a second. Whatever difficult thing, whatever pain that you carried in with you here today, how might he redeem that? You know, this November will be 20 years since my dad has passed. And I can't tell you how many people I've sat with who've experienced profound loss and I've been able to lead them and be there for them and connect with them because I've experienced that myself. Tragic, tragic situations and funerals that I've, I've had the privilege to lead. And there's no way I would be able to delve into that the way that I was able to had I not experienced that loss. You see, God redeems everything, but we don't get to choose how he redeems it. So I would choose like, hey, the redemption here is really easy, God. Here's the note. Go ahead and heal my dad so he can be with me. He can be there at all the key moments, but it didn't happen. But I see him redeeming it day after day. And I think if you anticipate how God can redeem your pain, you'll begin to see the same. So this morning, what I want to do is I wanna invite you to put pen to paper. And for those of you that are in the room, there's a a slip of paper that's underneath your seat. Go ahead and grab that. And then there's a pen on the back of your uh, chair. You can grab that. And then if you're at home, I would just encourage you, grab something to write with. And it's it's an easy assignment to communicate and a lot more challenging to actually carry out. But here's the question that I'd love for you to think about. What might you be blaming God for? Write down what you might be blaming God for right now. What you hold him responsible for. And there's just, there's something that happens when we put pen to paper and we like actually either say it out loud or write it out. And the truth is this thing that can go on this sheet of paper, and maybe this isn't big enough, you can get, we can get you more, but this weighs you down and you don't have to be weighed down by blaming God for this thing that happened to you any longer. And so it's time to exchange that for redemption, to invite God to redeem the thing that you hold him responsible for. And maybe for some of us, I think this morning, the place to start for you is redemption means trusting God. You never have, and it's time, today is the day to say yes to trusting Jesus with your life. And this is not a one-time decision, but it is the first moment of a lifetime of surrender. And if that's you, this community of people, they want to walk with you through this. You are in the right place. And so if you're online, I would just say, hey, uh, just put a comment in the uh, the feed and say, hey, I wanna say yes to Jesus. And if if you're here in the room today, then I would encourage you to fill out a connect card and let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus today. And there is a community of people that will wrap around with you and walk with you 
through the most important decision that you will ever make. See, God works through everything that happens. Nothing is wasted and it can be redeemed. And so I just wanna invite you to hold up your piece of paper and I just want to pray a prayer for us today. Let's do that. God, what we're holding in our hand represents pain, it represents hurt. And while it's not clear who's responsible, what we're signaling is that we've held you responsible. So God, in this moment, help us to see that nothing is wasted, that in everything that happens, you work and help us to lay this down and invite your redemption, which is probably already at work, to become a parent in our life. God, nothing is wasted and everything that happens, you work through it and we're grateful for that. And God, we're just a group of broken people that are asking for you to make that apparent in this moment. In your name.